0: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear saints, a Merry Christmas <clears throat> again. And uh, the gospel reading is a continuation of the Christmas season. Today, Mary and Joseph bring the baby Jesus to the temple for their purification according to the law of Moses. Now, this uh, text is a little less hallmark-ish uh, or less Christmassy than we imagine. Uh, What happens is that the law says every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And so then this takes place about 40 days after Jesus' birth. And Joseph and Mary then offer the sacrifice, uh, one of the the least expensive sacrifices, of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, you know the next part of the text quite well. Uh, that's when Simeon, who was promised that he wouldn't die uh, unless he, until he saw the Christ, uh, then he cries out the nunc what we finish every service singing. Uh, and I've preached on that before. But today, I want to preach on what he said after the nunc dimittis. And uh, it's something that we oftentimes gloss over or go through quickly. This, uh, pay attention to what he says. He says this. Simeon says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall. And rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Okay, so the first thing uh, from these words is that Jesus is appointed for the fall and the rising of many. Why does he say this? I think he's saying this because Mary and Joseph might have had in mind. That now that Jesus was born, now that the Savior is in in fleshed, incarnate, now everything is just going to snap into place and everything is going to be fine. Every everyone's going to uh, adore him. Everyone's going to be happy, and all of the difficult days are over. Uh, but what Simeon here is saying is not so fast. He's saying everything is not better yet. In fact. The work this child came to do is great, and he's going to be met with opposition. And he will be divisive. He's going to be the dividing line between those who rise and those who fall. And he's going to cause huge upheavals in Jerusalem. So there's going to be mixed reactions to Jesus. So uh, the the point is, is that not everyone will receive Jesus in faith. Not everyone will receive this child in faith. And because of their rejection of him, he will be the ruin and downfall of many. That means they will fall into condemnation on account of rejecting him, on account of opposing him. Now, uh, the, the point here is that it shouldn't be much of a surprise to us when we still see people today reject Jesus or oppose him. This is exactly what the text is saying. Now, uh, yet as many will, uh, that there are many who will fall because of him, Simeon then also says some will rise because of him. They'll be lifted up or encouraged and strengthened and receive eternal life because of him. And that's what John says. He came to his own and his own received him not. And then it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, so that's the first thing. Jesus is going to divide the world. He will be a divisive figure. That's what Simeon is saying about the baby Jesus. The next part is this. Simeon says to Mary, he says, And a sword will pierce through your soul also. Another translation of this is a sword will pass through your soul. What is that? <clears throat> well, it's not a sword that's causing her downfall because Mary is a Christian. As she believes in the Christ, and we know this because she's saying the Magnificat, she believes in the Lord and trusts in him for salvation. So what is this sword that's going through her, her soul? Uh, a, a great number of Christians <clears throat> think that this sword refers to the great sorrow that Mary will experience when she witnesses her, Jesus, her own son, die on the cross. And this is a pain I can't imagine, I can't even think of, a pain that's got to be like no other. Uh, and many Roman Catholics understand these words to refer to Mary's pain and sorrow, so they meditate upon the sacred and sorrowing hearts of Mary, and these sort of things, her, her troubles. <clears throat> I don't want to take away from Mary's pain at all, But that's not what Simeon is talking about here. I don't think it's the case for two reasons, Uh, the context and the wording. The the, the context is about the falling and rising of many in Israel uh, and because of what Jesus says and does. That's the context. So Simeon is talking about the ministry of Jesus and how there's going to be a painful sword-like aspect to the work of Christ And he's going to speak the truth and people aren't going to like it. He's going to call people to repentance. They're not going to like that. And then in the middle of this, then Simeon all of a sudden says, oh, by the way, Mary, you're also going to uh, be very, very sad one day. I don't think it it just doesn't fit the context. That's not what's going on. Even more, the the text says something else, even more pointedly. Simeon says, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. He says, also, in other words, the pain that many others are going to experience is the pain that Mary is also going to experience. So to say that this sword is the unique suffering of a mother witnessing her, own, her, her child die doesn't make sense. Because the sword that is going through the soul is not something that Mary alone is experiencing, but something that all will experience. <clears throat> so... If the sword that is passing through her soul isn't the sorrow that she sees, um, that, that she will feel when witnessing Christ die, what is it? The sword is God's word that cuts to the heart, that pierces even the soul. This is what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. So this is, uh, th- this is what the text is referring to. In fact, here's another text that shows you uh, the word in action. Uh, in Acts chapter two, verse thirty-seven, uh, when Peter is preaching to the multitudes, he tells them, uh, he tells them that they crucified the Lord of life, and then this is what the text says after it says, when they heard Peter's words, they were cut to the heart, and asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So this is what Simeon is talking about. This is what he is predicting. The word of God that Jesus has come to speak will divide nations yes they will cut into the hearts of the unbeliever but also of the believer it's not just jesus enemies who will be uncomfortable by his word but also his followers those who believe in him and what hebrews 4 is saying is that this is what the bible is it is alive it is powerful it is active and it is like a double edged sword So you know this well, because how many times have you sat here in church and heard a lesson from the lectern or a sermon from the pulpit and felt uneasy or uncomfortable by it? And how many times have you had to look down in shame or embarrassment because the word of God written down 2000 years ago pierced your soul by calling out your sin and your problem? How many times have you felt like the law in the sermon is going right after you? Like it was written for you or what is in your heart? This is because you're not just listening to the words of man, but the word of God. And so when you do feel uncomfortable hearing the law of God, don't ignore that discomfort. If the word of God is cutting you to the heart and your sins are being called out, then repent. If the word is condemning something in you, then repent. Uh, I'll give you an uh, an analogy here. When a, a surgeon performs surgery, he's using a very sharp blade. A, a, a scalpel to slice through your body to open it up and to expose what is on the inside. And he uses it very carefully. He opens up your body and then he discerns the thing, between the things that are supposed to be there and the things that aren't supposed to be there, the things that should be removed. He's very careful to leave your body intact. He makes a division between you and the cancer, or you and the illness, or you and the disease, or you and the injury. And he, uh, it it wreaks havoc on your body, yes. And it takes months or years to heal from, maybe. But in the end, this is for your good. It is painful, but the bad thing then is separated from you and removed. Uh, Another analogy on this is that, uh, to help drive it deeper home, Michelangelo would carve sculptures from the rock. And he, he... What he said is that he could see the sculpture or the image in the rock before he started, uh, before he started hacking away at it. So he would say that he wasn't creating something or bringing it up. He was simply taking away the parts that didn't belong so that everybody else could see what the sculpture was uh, and that the real thing was hiding in there. So uh, this is a good analogy as to how the Lord sees you. He sees you who you, as you are in Christ, as holy and spotless and loving and joyful, as a person who is peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and so on. And since that's how he sees us in Christ, then he uses his word, the, the, the piercing aspect of his word, to cut out the things about you that are not supposed to be there. God knows your heart better than you do. And he makes a distinction between you, who you are in your sin, and who you are in Christ. And he discerns the right from the wrong in you. He can only, you and I can only judge on on words and actions, but Christ uh, will judge even to the intentions or the motivation of the heart. He sees the very intention as to why you do what you do. Now, this surgery or this sculpting is never finished in this life it's something that happens throughout your life you're constantly being worked on and in my own experience i think you can tell who has been improved by the sword and who has avoided it altogether. Uh, people's reactions to the word say a lot and for the most part those who are more patient and generous and loving and kind And who put the best construction on things, who speak well of others, are those who come to church each week and pay attention. And these are the ones who don't make excuses for their sin. When their hearts are exposed, they simply bow their head and repent. And these are the ones who have been improved by the word. They've had extra things clinging to their heart and soul that have been cut away. And they're better now than they were before. And they will tell you that. Now, just because something didn't bother you a year ago, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't bother you now. Just because you thought or spoke or acted in a certain way before, it doesn't mean that you have to think and speak and act the same way even now. You're a different person now than you were a year ago, or you should be, and that's called growth. Maybe he's convicting you of your attitude, of your cynicism, or your pessimism, or your anxiety and your worry, your greed, or your laziness, your bad language, your gluttony, your lust, or your anger. A few days ago, you might've thought, look, this is just who I am. This is who I, this is me. But now you see that that is not supposed to be there. That is not really you. That is not who you are in Christ. At times, God will let certain things about you slide for a moment. While he works on other things, cutting those other things away. But now, now he is working on cutting this away, whatever the this is. He doesn't want to leave you the same way next year as you are this year that you should be improved and changed. All right. Uh, Remember that the sword that pierces Mary's heart is the same one that is piercing yours. And what Jesus has said and done will cause many to be offended and oppose him. But for those of you who know the Lord, who know that he loves you, who know that the only thing that the word attacks in you are the things that shouldn't be there, You who know that the Lord gave himself over in death for you for your forgiveness, you will rise up. And the Lord allowed himself to be cut off in his body and his soul on the cross so that you wouldn't be. The Lord loves you. And the very fact that he calls things out, he calls out your sin and condemns them. He cuts those things out of your life. He pierces your conscience and your soul with his word is proof that he loves you, that he is refining you by his word. If you were worthless, he would have cast you aside, but he is still working on you. And so the chief thing that the Lord is cutting away from you is the sin and the guilt and the death that clings to you. So keep coming to church and hearing the word, even if it makes you uncomfortable even if it calls out the sins that you are clinging to. And know that at the last, when the Lord comes, he will take away every care and worry and anxiety that was clinging to your flesh. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.